Chapter Six of A Bachelor's Dream by Mrs. Hungerford. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Dr. Brudnell realized very often the fact that the life of a London medical man, however large his practice and solvent his patients, is not by any means an enviable one once upon a time when a red lamp had been a novelty and the power to write m d after his ordinary signature a delicious dignity a patient had been to him a prodigy something precious for its rarity even if it called him away from his dinner or ruthlessly rang him up in the middle of the night but that was a long time ago in the days of his impetuous youth and now in his prosperous middle age he would often have willingly bartered a good many patients for a little more leisure this was particularly the case upon a hot oppressive night a week later a night such as london generally experiences in august it was saturday and certainly it was not pleasant after a week of fatiguing work to be summoned as soon as he had got into his bedroom at considerably past eleven o'clock at night to attend a patient who resided somewhere in the wilds of holloway however there was no help for it and the doctor philosophically resigning himself and taking care to be sure that his latch-key was in his pocket spoke a word to mrs jessop as a precaution against that worthy woman's putting up the chain of the hall door before she went to bed and let himself out it was a fine night hot as it was with a large bright moon hardly beginning to wane and myriads of stars dr brudnell as good and quick a walker now as he had been twenty years before thought lightly of the distance between his own house and that of his patient and soon reached his destination it was little that he could do in fact he had been sent for without real need and it was not much after twelve o'clock when he reached the railway arch which spans the holloway road he stopped for a moment and looked up thinking what a black bar it seemed in the yellow moonlight and how oddly quiet the streets were which all day long were teeming with noisy life most of the shops were closed and only a few straggling foot passengers were to be seen only for a moment did he thus glance about him taking his hat off to push the damp air from his forehead for his quick walk had made him warm then he walked on under the arch to stop before it was half traversed for a hand suddenly placed upon his shoulders brought him to a halt your pardon sir said a voice in his ear you are a doctor i believe i am the doctor tried in the gloom of the arch to make out the face of the inquirer but in vain 
he could only tell that it was a young man by his voice and gestures and he saw that he was considerably taller than himself dr brundell i think i am dr brundell what is wanted yourself sir if you please a person my brother is ill almost dying it is feared will you accompany me to him there is no time to be lost what is the matter with him asked the doctor sir you will know when you see him i with a deprecatory shrug of the shoulders can i tell but is it a fit a fever an accident what is it asked dr brudnell impatiently you must know that sir it cannot be a fever since an hour ago he was well pray sir will you come he is very ill delay is dangerous the man moved on as he spoke and the doctor moved with him for his arm was still clasped by the stranger's strong supple fingers but outside the archway he stopped stay why do you come to me have you no regular medical attendant we have not sir as to why i come to you i have heard of you that is all i reached your house almost as you left it and have followed you and waited pray come sir i entreat you there is a carriage waiting here a carriage was standing just outside the arch an ordinary-looking close carriage drawn by a light-colored horse and driven by a coachman who was singularly muffled up considering the heat of the night the doctor mechanically noticed that there were no lamps to the carriage as in obedience to the eager pressure of his companion's hand he got in the other followed shutting the door smartly behind him and the vehicle started instantly dr brudnell leaning back in his corner looked curiously as well as the dimness of the carriage would let him with the keen eyes of a man accustomed to weigh and observe at his companion who with his hands in his pockets and his hat pulled down over his brows appeared to be half asleep he was a very handsome man that was certain face dark and clear-cut complexion swarthy figure at once lithe and muscular and some years under thirty there was a turn of the throat a trick of movement when he presently changed his position restlessly that perplexed the watcher the doctor fancied that he must have seen this man before but he could not remember where is it far he asked suddenly it must be he thought they had been in the carriage at least a quarter of an hour the horse had been going at a swift trot and now there was no sign of slackening speed the young man started and opened his eyes it is not now sir we shall soon be there in time i hope he stamped twice upon the floor of the carriage impatiently as though in anxiety but the sound seemed to act as a signal 
for the driver instantly whipped up the horse and the speed was increased almost doubled the curtains of the window were down and the doctor drew one of them aside and peered out they were in a street he did not know badly paved badly lighted squalid flanked by rows of high mean houses half of which seemed empty for hardly a light shone from their windows he looked round where are we we are close there sir but what street is this i don't know it in the least sir i do not know it but i know that in a moment we shall be there the doctor sank back into his corner again resigningly he was fatigued sleepy put out just then he most heartily wished that this young man had found some one else to attend to the wants of his brother he must be crazy to have gone all that distance after a doctor and then to follow and accost one in the street it was as queer a thing in its way as his twenty years in the profession had brought to his knowledge thinking over this his eyelids drooped he no longer saw the dim figure of his companion and was startled when presently the carriage stopped with a jerk in a moment the young man had opened the door sprung out and was saying we are here a light sir if you please dr brutnell confused and sleepy still did so looking about him he was in a narrow paved court entirely unlighted closed in at the lower end by what seemed to be a huge deserted stack of warehouses and fenced upon the farther side by the blank walls and regular rows of narrow windows of what had evidently been a manufactory but the windows were broken a door hung swinging upon its hinges it was evident that this place was unused and deserted too upon the side where he stood were a couple of old houses bare and desolate with broken windows broken railings dark silent the most dismal houses the doctor had ever seen at the door of the first of these where a faint light was visible in one of the lower windows as the carriage stopped the young man tapped cautiously with his hand three times in another moment the door was softly opened the figure of the opener being lost in the gloom within on the broken doorstep the doctor hesitated he was not a timid man but this all seemed very strange however he obeyed the pressure of the hand laid upon his arm and entered glancing behind him as he did so he saw that the carriage had disappeared the door was gently closed and he stood in absolute darkness hesitating wondering he fancied he heard cautious feet stealing across the bare floor of the hall but not another sound broke the oppressive brooding silence of the close musty smelling old house in another moment he would have spoken 
have demanded the meaning of all this when a faint gleam of light appeared at the end of the hall and from the lower stairs a man's hand and arm became visible holding a lamp a hand was laid upon his arm at the same moment and the voice of his summoner spoke quietly in his ear your patient is ready sir come if you please the speaker went towards the stairs and the light was withdrawn the doctor followed him for a few paces then stopped abruptly downstairs he said incredulously sir he was too bad to be moved i see go before if you please the light glimmered faintly at the foot of the staircase again and the doctor followed his conductor down noting that the steps were dirty and bare that the stone passageway at the bottom was also dirty and bare that for all the indications that there were to the contrary this was an absolutely unfurnished house as he reached the last stair he looked keenly at the man who held the lamp a middle-aged man loose-jointed and loosely dressed with iron-gray hair and a scar upon his cheek he spoke with a slightly foreign accent and with a bow moved aside from the doorway in which he stood you're welcome sir i thank you enter if you please dr brudnell did so then started and stopped involuntarily a sick man a man on the point of dying were they mad enough to keep him in a room such as this a room a sty rather the door was stone with a few sacks spread upon it the windows were secured by crazy shutters the only table was formed by boards laid upon two old barrels and the two or three chairs were broken the only other piece of furniture or semblance of furniture was an old couch the horsehair covering tattered straggling pieces of the stuffing hanging down lying upon it was the figure of a man with some roughly applied bandages about his head and face strange as it all was the sight of this man the cause of his being there restored to the doctor his professional coolness and self-possession he was a medical man this was his patient he advanced and with rapid deaf fingers removed the bandages laying bare a face so horribly disfigured that practiced as he was he felt his own turn pale he spoke quickly and aloud knowing that the sick man was insensible and looking at the other two what's this what has happened to this man he is burnt as you say sir the gray-haired man still holding the lamp bowed most horribly burnt and with chemicals is it not so it is sir there has been an explosion he was trying to do something with them probably combine them he made a mistake in his method or calculations and they exploded said the doctor rapidly 
again you are right sir the two men exchanged swift glances of mingled admiration and contempt admiration of the doctor's quickness and lucidity contempt of him for being there he did not see them he was continuing his examination of the insensible man the injuries to the head and face were the worst but the throat chest and arms were also burned severely dr brutnell rose from his knee upon which he had sunk down to pursue his examination you should have told me what the case was he said sternly looking at the young man you bring me here in ignorance and i am absolutely helpless i have no materials for treating injuries such as these i require lint oil bandages they are here said the gray-haired man quietly and as his companions in obedience to a motion of his hand left the room he looked at the doctor and asked anxiously sir can you save his life i don't know it depends upon his condition of which i know nothing and the care that is bestowed upon him but with a glance round the wretched apartment he will not live if he stays here he will not stay here the doctor said no more for the young man came back with bandages lint and oil all three had evidently been purchased in anticipation of their being wanted the doctor applied them as well as he could by the dim light of the lamp the patient moved and moaned but he did not open his eyes or show any signs of consciousness the other two did not speak once his task concluded the doctor turned to them abruptly he had better be moved at once he cannot pass the night here indeed he should have been got upstairs at first if there is any assistance that you can call it would be as well he is utterly helpless he must be carried good said the elder man quietly and with the suspicion of a mocking smile at the corners of his mouth explain sir if you please carried where upstairs of course upstairs both men laughed but only the elder echoed the word impossible sir he said coolly but i tell you he must be moved exclaimed the doctor impatiently you have risked his life already by your delay reassure yourself sir said the other in the same tone as before he shall be moved i have said it then where if not upstairs out of the house out of the house in this condition you must be out of your mind it will kill him dr brundell was excited he rebelled against this treatment of the patient as his patient as merely a man he would not have cared kill him so be it the speaker shrugged his shoulders with a smile that expanded the scar on his cheek and the doctor involuntarily moderated his tone 
he instinctively recognized that he had spoken too bluntly too hastily to this man who looked impenetrable you must really understand he urged the great risk of what you are about to do this man's condition is dangerous now the shock to the system may be so great that even with the best of care he will not recover by doing what you propose you seriously jeopardize what chance he has of life when do you intend to move him sir at once what now in the middle of the night exactly sir preposterous the doctor cried excitedly it shall not be done indeed and who sir will prevent it if necessary i will the man put down the lamp upon the boards that served as a table put his hands to his sides and laughed not loudly or heartily but with intense mocking enjoyment as at something too grotesquely absurd for speech then suddenly exerting a surprising amount of strength for an old man he put two hands upon the shoulders of the slightly built doctor and holding him so stood looking down at him tauntingly laughing still you will you will prevent monsieur the doctor you are a hero you are alone you don't know where with you don't know whom it is one o'clock in the morning no one in your household knows where to find you and yet you will prevent you stand in a house where your body might remain undiscovered for years but still you defy you threaten by heaven my noble physician you are brave he loosened his hold and leaned against the improvised table laughing still in the same suppressed manner and glancing at the young man who replied to this dreadful mirth with a sarcastic smile george brundell almost staggering as the strong hands released him was stupefied for the moment he was no coward but he suddenly realized the utter helplessness of his position where was he he did not know who were these men who met alone in this deserted house at midnight he did not know he was a weaker man than either and how many more of them might there not be hidden within hearing distance now if they chose to do him violence to murder him in short he would be totally incapable of offering any adequate resistance he was trapped and he felt it for the moment the knowledge appalled him but he strove to regain both his wits and courage you have the advantage sir he said addressing the elder man and you use your superiority of numbers as well as for this man you take the responsibility if you move him it is none of mine i have done what i can and all i can show me to the door a moment sir if you please the younger man looked at the elder 
with a glance of remonstrance as though he thought his companion in his last speech and action had gone too far you are forgetting an important item sir your fee i want no fee and will take none show me to the door i say he turned toward the doorway by himself he would have stumbled up the stairs down which he had been enticed but the elder man seized him by the shoulder he spoke now in a tone almost as courteous as that which he had just used had been insulting your pardon a moment sir if you please you were called here trapped here interposed the doctor angrily well well the other spoke blandly soothingly as though to a restive child trapped here if you will a word what does it matter permit me to finish there are two things to do sir and you have done but one i will do nothing more george brudnell was thoroughly master of himself again now and he flung off the hand upon his shoulder the young man moved and stood between him and the door and the elder resumed coolly a difficult thing since it has something like death to answer for with a glance at the senseless disfigured form upon the couch but an easy thing a mere bagatelle to a man such as you a skillful chemist a practiced handler of chemicals monsieur you will do what yonder bungler failed to do you will if you please combine these chemicals i will not the doctor's temper was roused the thought that he had been so tripped made him forget the danger he was in he spoke without any signs of fear now and faced the pair comprehension he had not but suspicion he had and he spoke it out heartedly i will not he repeated whatever villainy it is that you perpetrate here i will have no hand in it to whatever atrocious use it is that you design to put things you speak of i say that i am glad that they have turned upon one scoundrel at least it is useless to put these chemicals before me i swear that i will not touch them i would sooner cut off my right hand ma foi monsieur again the elder man smiled you are likely if you remain obstinate to lose more than that come consider sir reflect you are helpless and we are impatient your summer nights are short and we have much to do come then speak ah cried the younger man suddenly but in the suppressed tones which both seemed to use habitually hush dr brundell had heard nothing could hear nothing although he listened eagerly but it seemed that the sound whatever it might have been had alarmed the two men it was evidently repeated 
for the lamp was put out instantly and he felt himself forcibly thrust into what seemed to be a cupboard and heard the key turned in the lock for a few moments george brudnell was dazed again stupefied he was so utterly amazed that he could hardly believe that it was not all a dream was this the latter half of the nineteenth century was he in the heart of london then suddenly he realized his position tried to suppress his very breathing and the beating of his heart for there was a sound of footsteps upon the creaking stairs someone else entered the room there was the scratching of a match and a pale thread of light crept under the door of his prison showing that the lamp had been relighted he listened intently jealously straining every nerve to hear and to understand voices whispered he could distinguish the tones of the two men but not their words the muffled muttering was too low then there came a cry followed by a rapid movement toward the door which shut him from these strange whispers more a hand was even laid upon the lock and the key was partially turned then there came a scuffle almost a struggle a sound of something being dragged along the bare boards and the voice of the elder man muttering fiercely threateningly the doctor as the footsteps retreated and the savage repressed sounds died away in the distant murmur leaned against the damp wall of his prison and fought with a fresh perplexity the newcomer into that gloomy house of wickedness and mystery was a woman he had heard the sweep of heavy skirts at his door was approached and that one shrill hardly stifled cry had surely been a woman's voice then the pale thread of light was withdrawn the sound of footsteps moved toward the door and a horrible fear assailed him was he to be left there to break his way out into light or to die in darkness the notion was horrible his self-control failed him and with his clenched hands he hammered upon the panels of the door calling out loudly that he would not be left there trapped like a rat and appealing to them to let him out there was a pause more hurried unintelligible whispering then footsteps drew near the door and outside a voice spoke the elder man's be silent and no harm will be done you be patient sir and you shall be released when demanded the doctor brundell when we have done what we have to do until then silence again the footsteps and the light withdrew and the doctor was left in absolute silence and complete darkness to fight as well as he could with the sense of utter helplessness and the violent beating of his heart the struggle lasted only for a short time as he found out afterward but in the passing it seemed an age then the pale gleam of light crept again beneath the door 
and there came the sound of footsteps the two men had returned he could hear that they were raising a heavy body with painful difficulty for there were low moans and one deep groan they were moving the almost dying man another and longer interval of profound darkness a brooding silence followed until the footsteps again returned the door was thrown open and he stepped out dazed by the light feeble as it was the lamp was held by the man with the scar on his cheek the couch upon which the wounded man had lain was empty a faint trace of light shone through the chinks of the crazy shutters it was almost morning you are free sir said his captor calmly and in a tone of perfect indifference cutting short the useless words of wrath and indignation which fell from the doctor's lips go and hasten if you please the night is nearly over the carriage in which you came waits i shall not use it i will go alone and on foot he stepped toward the door anxious just then for nothing except to get free of the detested house but as before the man's hand was brought down upon his shoulder you pardon sir you will go as you came and with the same companion you need not fear no harm of any kind will be done you i have pledged my word that you shall depart as you came and i will keep it good depart then if you please realizing the utter futility of lingering or speaking dr brudnell was prudent he obeyed with remonstrance or delay he mounted the stairs crossed the bare hall and left the house in a moment his arm was seized by the younger man he was hustled into the carriage which had brought him and driven off at a pace so swift that he had the sense at once to abandon the design of leaping out which he had hastily formed but that would have been impossible had the vehicle moved slowly for the eyes of his companion were keenly on the alert as he could not fail to see not a word upon either side had been spoken when some half an hour later the carriage suddenly stopped he was thrust out as strongly and roughly as he had been hustled in and as he stood dazed by the events of this extraordinary night and the rush of fresh sweet air the coachman drove rapidly away george brundell looked about him like one bereft of reason he had no idea of the route by which he had been driven and it was only after looking for some time at the houses about him that he discovered where he was for he felt as perplexed and confused as though he had been voyaging through the air in a balloon slowly he recognized his surroundings he was close upon the confines of victoria park not a sound broke the silence not a form was visible the dawn was brightening rosily in the east 
he drew out his watch it was just three o'clock on sunday morning end of chapter six recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c